We're going to finish up this series called Conversations and Having Conversations with God and, and looking at this issue of how we talk to him and how he talks to us. And, and tonight we're, going to, we're just going to finish up on something that has is, is probably changed my life more than anything as far as just learning about God and learning about Scripture. And it's this issue of being willing to meditate on Scripture. And what does that mean and what does that look like in our life? Uh, Dr. Jim Shaddix is a, a preaching professor and pastors of church and, and he has written about and he has talked about that many times that people have barriers uh, coming to the Word of God or coming to, to, to read Scripture. And there's all kinds of barriers that, that are kind of on top of the Word or on top of the Bible. And so some people will look at the Bible and say, well, you know, um, there's a cultural issue. This Bible was, was, came out of a different culture than mine, and, and I, I didn't understand all about their culture. I didn't understand everything that they did. I don't know what a, what a yoke is and what a sword is and, and all these other things and how they used it. And so people will look at the Bible and say, it has this cultural barrier that I really have trouble understanding the Bible because it was a different culture. And, and some people would look at it and say, well, the, the Bible was written thousands upon thousands of years ago. It was written to a different culture when there were no text messaging, email, cell phones, internet, or any of that other stuff. And so life is kind of complicated now. And so the Bible was written thousands upon thousands of years ago. And so I don't know that it really relates to my life. I don't know that it can really speak into my life. And then others may look at it and say, well, you know what? There's a language barrier. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, there, you, you know this, right? The Bible's written in three different languages, Greek and Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic. And so they'll look at it and say, you know, I don't understand the Greek and the Hebrew. I don't understand some of the meaning of the words. And so it's kind of confusing to me. And so other people will say, well, you know, for me, it's, it's geography. I mean, I mean, it was written pretty much in the Middle East. And, and, and it was a small place. And they dealt with different issues. And it was a different place than here. It was a different place than America. And so as a result of that, I've got some barriers. And then, and then there's some that someone told them along the way that not to read the Bible, that they shouldn't read the Bible, that the Bible was only written to pastors, the Bible was only written to leaders. And so, so if you're not careful, that you'll look at this and, and you'll no longer see Scripture, you'll see all these barriers. And so, But what we do here every weekend and, and what we want to equip you to do daily is to begin pulling these barriers off into where you realize that, that the Bible wasn't written just to pastors. The fact, fact is, the Bible was written to people. The Bible was written to believers, and that we can understand that. And then, and then in preaching and teaching and you reading Scripture, we pull off the geography. I mean, I've taken a group to the Middle East, and we learned a lot about the Middle East and the customs, and we pull that off. And then, then we take and we pull off the language, and we understand Greek and Hebrew a little bit, or how it applies to us. And then, then we realize, yes, it was written thousands of years ago, but there are timeless principles. There are timeless truths that we can pull principles out that apply to our family, apply to our marriages, apply to our life, and we take those timeless principles out. And yes, it was a different culture, and so, but we understand that. And so we pull all that off so that what we end up with is word. To where we just have his word to where we're just exposed directly. We cut through all the perceived barriers to where we just have his word. And then when we just have his word and expose it to our minds and our heart, something happens. This is the revelation of God. The canon has been closed. 
And you should thank God for that. And that is a great thing. Because now when someone stands up and says, I found some tablets. Or I got a word from the Lord. And it is different than this. You know it didn't come from him. See, the canon being closed, the scripture being closed, is a good thing. And it is a great thing because it removes stress from our lives because you know what? When people stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, we don't have to wonder if they're really from God. We don't have to wonder if God really did give them that dream or really did speak that into their life because we have his revelation, we have his word, and we can open up his word. And if it contradicts this, it did not come from God. And so I want to talk to you tonight about this issue of meditation because I'm telling you, Learning to meditate on scripture was one of the single most important disciplines that I brought into my Christian life that helped me deepen me in scripture and, and, and in him. And, and the, the reason some people do not have power in their spiritual life is because they do not meditate on scripture. And the church is kind of all they get. Power comes when we learn how to meditate on Scripture because God speaks through the Scriptures. And when I open up His Word, He shows up and He speaks into my life. And there's power and there's meaning in that. In the New Testament, it was God that used the Scriptures to guide His people. All the way through the New Testament, you see, in order that it might be fulfilled. In order that it might be fulfilled. You see that in Scripture. Meditation is this. Meditation is to take God's Word seriously. Meditation means to take his word seriously. It's clear, it's deep, it's multidimensional. And it holds life and it holds truth. Why do some people gain so much insight and meaning out of scripture? Because they meditate. They take his word and they begin to meditate. They begin to ponder or contemplate the, the, the message or the scripture. Meditation means taking a passage, taking a scripture that speaks to you, speaks into your life. And, and that's one reason we do life journaling to where you take one scripture a day and, and uh, to where you apply it to your life and you meditate on it, you think about it, is to where you allow God to illuminate or enlighten it the scriptures in your mind. See, meditation, we just look at a, a definition. Meditation means this, to ponder, to think about, to give serious thought to, to give serious consideration to a selected group of information. While you're reviewing the material, you look at the implications, the implications in, in your life. Here's just a couple of scriptures, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success psalms 1 1 through 3 one of my favorite passages blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits at the seat of scoffers but his delight his love, his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word. And on his law, on his Bible, he meditates on it. She meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree. In the Old Testament, the word tree was, was the picture, the metaphor of a life. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Water in the Old Testament was grace. It was divine grace. He is like a tree planted by water of divine grace. It's the presence of God that yields its fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I have just read two verses that, if you, that says that if you will meditate on the word, he'll give you good success. He'll give you success. Now listen, Joshua still went through problems. Joshua still went through difficulty. But God did everything in Joshua's life that he said he would do. That he fulfilled everything that God had called him to do. Prosper means to succeed at what God has called you to do. Whatever that is in your life. I mean, you want to succeed right in your marriage, in your relationships, in a career, in a profession, in following him. When you read, reflect, and meditate on his word, it cannot help. Bless you. When you read and reflect and meditate on his word, it cannot help but affect your life. It cannot help but change your life. Scripture says when you meditate on his word, you become wise to the ways of God and how to handle situations in your life. Meditation means to think about, ponder, give serious consideration to. Sometimes I take three by five note cards. A lot of times I take them, punch holes in them, and I got a, one of those ring deals, whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. They're just rings. And, and I loop them all together. And I'll carry them with me and thumb through them and start memorizing scripture and all of that other stuff. Meditation means to take time to read his word. I mean, I mean this afternoon, and Karen's not aware of this, she's at work, and uh, usually I ask her her permission to share something about her. And so this night I may ask for forgiveness, but instead of, <laughs> instead of permission, but, but I'm going through my, my ring deal, and, and I like just white. I mean, I, I'm just a purist. I like white. I like, I don't, you know what? I like only yellow post-it notes. I don't think, I don't like it till they come out in pink and neon and purple and green. I just like, they originally came out in yellow. Yellow's good for me. Let's just leave it at yellow. And so I just don't change. Karen likes colors. And so I am, I am going through, and this morning I had come out of my office at home and, and told her something that God had given me for a sermon series that's coming up. And I'm like, I cannot wait to preach this. And then I come to the office and grab my ring. And in 2005, she drew a diagram of exactly what I feel like God has asked me to preach. And in a verse out of Jeremiah that she had given me during that time when I was trying to make a decision in ministry. And it says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps before the Lord. This was a verse that I meditated on. And just meditated and pondered that my life is not my own. 
See, sometimes the reason we don't reach the depths of the Christian life because we get commitment and surrender messed up. Man, we are to surrender to him. We yield to him. Commitment, we kind of decide whether we want to do it or not. Surrender is totally different. See, meditation means that you may take a lunch hour. You may take a period of time during the day. You may set aside a period of time to meditate and think about the scriptures that are on your heart. And, and you may think, wait a minute. I could never take an hour and spend thinking about scripture. Have you ever thought about a problem in your life for over an hour? You ever thought about someone that upset you? For over an hour, some of you have done really well at that, and you've thought through the night about that issue or about that person. Somebody might say, wait a minute. I don't know that I could think about Scripture. Have you ever been been to a movie and meditated on a movie for two hours? And you may say, yeah, but that's interesting. The enemy would have you believe that his word is not interesting. The enemy would have you put all these barriers up so you won't even read his word because you don't believe it has anything to apply to your life. Listen, I'm telling you, if you will spend time meditating on his word, you will be shocked and amazed at how he shows up in your life. I have an email from someone, and I won't give the name, um, that, that sent me an email through this series and it says, Charlie, it says, I just want you to know you're the most awesome preacher in the world and very handsome. I'm, I'm sorry, that's from my mom. <laughs> she sends me stuff like that all the time. Here's the real one. Charlie, your sermons stink. No. Charlie, I just want to share something with you. I received a daily Bible last year uh, uh, for Christmas. And I'm embarrassed to say that I've never read the whole Bible. I went to Bible studies and read during that time and listened to others talk about it. But when I received the daily Bible, I challenged myself to read through it in a year. I took it everywhere with me. I took it on vacations, road trips, uh, even trips to Denver. I, I just didn't want to get behind. I'm proud to say that I did it. What a blessing in my life. You have said many times that reading the Bible will change your life. But I always thought that was something you were supposed to say. The Bible is a really good book and an exciting read. I have started over with a different version. The one has a narrative before each reading, which is wonderful. It is opening a whole new world of God's grace for this rotten human race. He is such a patient God. Reading his book just made me appreciate so much what he really did for us and how much he loves us. This has changed my attitude in several different areas, uh, one being my job. I love what I do, but the work at times can be overwhelming. I've just purposed not to let it bother me and to keep my attitude in check, and hopefully God's shot love will shine through me. Now I'm telling you, I know I'm paid to tell you to read the Bible. But even if I wasn't, I'd tell you to read it. 
Three things about meditating on Scripture and why we should. The first thing is this, God's Word is living. Hebrews uh, 4.12 says this, For the Word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit and joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible says, first off, that God's Word is living. His Word is living. In fact, is Psalms 119 begins talking about this issue of meditation and meditating on his word and the power of that in so many different times in Psalms and we don't have the verses for you. I just wrote them out just real quickly before tonight. And so I'm just going to read you different ways that the Old Testament, just real quickly, that would refer to the Bible, uh, his law, his precepts, statutes, uh, all other kinds of ways of commandments uh, that they would say, watch this, verse 15, Psalms 119, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes upon your ways. Verse 16, I will delight in your statues and I will not forget your word. Even though princesses sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your law. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wonderful works. Verse 48, I will lift up my hands forward towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your word. Verse 78, let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Why did, I have more under, why did they have more understanding than all their teachers of their day? Because for your testimonies are my intention, are my meditations. I read your word. Verse 148, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Here is a wild deal and a cool deal. David is going through a difficult time. There are people attacking him. There are people saying falsehoods about him. There are people literally trying to destroy David. And he says, I have been wronged and I have been treated wrongly. And people are talking about me and saying falsehoods about me. And they have done me wrong. Instead of me meditating on what they have done to me, I'll meditate on your word. See, here's what we do. We meditate on the lie and not the truth. We meditate on the lie that someone's speaking into our life that are criticizing us and trying to destroy us and speaking falsehoods about us and starting rumors or all those hurtful things. And you know what we do? We meditate on the lie. And it discourages us. It can give us depression. It can give us hurt. It can give us pain. It can wreck our life. And David is saying this. I will meditate on your truth because your truth will what? Will set me free. Focusing on the, the lie, meditating on that lie over and over and over will destroy you. And you will meditate, listen, I'm telling you, you will meditate on the lie so much that the lie will become truth to you and the truth will become a lie. Because it can become so huge in your life that when you read his word, and it contradicts that thing that is so large in your life. You will not receive it. You will not accept it. And we meditate. Listen. If you're struggling with bitterness, then you're focusing on the unforgiveness. You're meditating on the person that you will not forgive. You're meditating on what they have done to you. And you're meditating. And the scripture says 
that bitterness in your life and my life is like a root and it will, it will grow deep and that it'll grow up to defile many. If you're fighting jealousy, you are meditating, you are thinking about the person you're jealous about. Why do they get their prayers answered? Why are they getting blessed? Why is things working out for them? That should be me. You're meditating on the lie. It'll destroy. You're meditating on envy. You're meditating on what everybody else has and why you don't have it and why God doesn't love you and why God isn't good to you. I mean, I'm telling you, we meditate. We just meditate in a negative way. The man that is struggling with lust meditates on lustful thoughts. And that's why he's destroyed. Instead of taking his word and looking at his word and taking his word and... Man, I'm telling you, I don't preach towards behaviors. I mean, a lot of comments I get back is, you're not like a lot of preachers we've heard. You, you don't preach about don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. You know why? I want to change your thinking. If I can change your thinking by engaging his word, then the behaviors don't matter. But if I only preach about behaviors, I'll frustrate you and me. Because you don't have the power to change. It's his word that changes you. See, most people meditate on the lie, the negative stuff, the hurtful stuff, the painful. And I'm telling you, the way you get it out of your mind is by meditating on his word. And God's word is living Yes, it was written thousands upon thousands of years ago, but it is living and it is active in your life. That's how come you can read through scripture and sometimes you apply it to this situation and sometimes you apply it to another situation differently. God's word is living. The second thing is this, God's word is active. Now, God's word is active. I mean, here's it. Well, let's read the verse. Watch this. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and what? And it is active. How is it active? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the division of soul and of spirit and joints and marrow. It helps you discern. Man, it helps you discern your intentions and your thoughts. Sometimes that's why it's a barrier. Because he convicts us. And it makes us uncomfortable. I'm telling you, God's word is living. When I meditate on his word, his life just burst out of me. I, I, asked, I asked Karen this, this morning, I go, I said, can I ask you something? I said, it's true in my life. I'm curious if it's true in yours. The more I meditate on his word, the more I read scripture, the deeper I love you and those around me. She goes, that's absolutely true. You, you, I begin to see things like you do just a little bit differently. Man, the word helps me to know his will, his plan for my life. His word helps me to know how I should treat a wife and treat two girls and treat friends and people around me. It's, it's, it's his word. His word from what he tells me in Hebrews 4.12 it helps me understand my intentions. Sometimes it's very confusing. 
for us to try to discern out our intentions and why do we want to do this? Is that for selfish gain or is that because I'm yielded and surrendered to him? People approach scripture all different ways when they're reading it personally, and I, and I get that. And Let me just show you one way and, a, and maybe a better way. Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 meant a great deal to me at, at a time in my life. I'll talk about it just briefly here in a second. But the verse says this, says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is such, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. So one response, someone could read that and says, wow, that is a great thought today. God help me to not say any critical words, any sarcasm, not help me to not be mean-spirited, I'm probably guilty of that, but help me. That's a very superficial way. That is not meditating on Scripture. That's a very superficial way of approaching Scripture. Another response would be to take that verse, and as we meditate on it and we think about it, the Holy Spirit will illuminate it, pierce your heart and soul, where you have a realization that that verse is for me. And that, that's me. And you think about all the words, the hurtful words you've used in the family or the hurtful words you've used with loved ones or the hurtful words that you use. Like, wow. I do have a sharp tongue. I have been sarcastic. You see, there was, a, there was a time in my life, years back, that I could destroy a great day with my family. I mean, we could be on vacation, we could be movie, we could be having a great time. And if, if something little just went wrong, I had a sharp tongue and I was sarcastic. And I could turn a great day into a bad day. The fact is, when God pierced my soul and Amanda's here tonight, uh, I'd taken Amanda with me to a, to a youth camp, and, and we were coming back through Can- Kansas, and uh, I get a speeding ticket. I know I got a lot of illustrations of getting a ticket. It's really the same ticket over and over and over. <laughs> I'm learning. I've always said, the last thing to be redeemed is the right foot. I'm just, I'm telling you. And so I get this ticket. And Amanda and I had one of those. We had just had a great time. And Amanda leaned over the console, grabbed my right arm, my forearm, and said, Daddy. After the police officer left, she goes, Daddy, don't let this destroy a great week. Let's be happy. See, when you meditate on Scripture, it's not for someone else. It is, it is not even help me be a better person. That's moralism. You're just reducing Christianity down to just being moral. It is this. God, I know. The words of my mouth reflect a heart. I've got a heart problem. Help me 
Give me a new heart. Help me to have a new heart. Change me. Okay, so a couple of things. God's word is living. God's word is active. The last thing is this. God's word is Jesus. When God, when you open up God's word, man, God shows up. Watch this, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I mean, in other words, all things in your life come from him. Verse 10 will drop down in John chapter 1. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Have you ever thought what it was like to be Jesus and walking around, the one that created the world, and they didn't recognize him? Can you, I mean, can you imagine what, like, hey, buddy, I created the dirt that you're standing on. <laughs> buddy, that, that livestock you got, I created them. Can you imagine what it was like to be Jesus and created? The world holds all things together. You realize that, right? Colossians says that he still, he created the world, but he still holds all things together. Can you imagine what that was like? Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the word? And we have seen his glory and glory as the, as the only son from the father. It's Jesus full of grace and full of tr truth. Jesus is the word and the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us. Revelation 19, 13 says, he is clothed in a, in a robe dipped in blood. Speaking of Jesus and the name by which he is called the word of God. The reason something happens in your life and my life when we meditate on scripture, the reason something supernatural can happen in our life when we're willing to take his word, open it up and read it and get rid of all those barriers and work our way through it and understand that is because I'm meditating on Christ, on Jesus. I am meditating on the words of God and he becomes your Lord and he becomes your savior. And you understand about this issue that we are to surrender to them. It's deep to him. It's deeper than just a commitment. And you spend time with him because you want to get to know him and apply his word to your life. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Do not meditate on the lie. Do not meditate on the negative stuff. Meditate on his word. Amen. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. What a statement for Paul to make. What you have seen, heard me say, what you have received, the life that I live, you practice these things. What a statement. And the God of peace will be with you. Man, I'm telling you, if, if you'll meditate on his word, Something miraculous will happen in your life. Amen. One of the easiest ways to do that, you just need a Bible. You don't, you don't need anything else. You can life journal or, and in, a, in, in another way that you could do that. If, if you have fear, 
and you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with doubt, you're dealing with discouragement, in the back of a Bible is a concordance. You could use a cell phone. If you have a smartphone, you can use a Bible software, and you type in fear. And you begin looking at all the scriptures that speak into that fear. And then you take a verse. That God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power. And you begin to meditate and say, God, this fear, that's not from you. You didn't give it to me. You've got discouragement. You have doubts. I mean, I'm telling you, you just you open up the concordance and just start thumbing through. James 1, 16. But let him, who, let him ask in faith, not without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the, by the wind. Lord, I know why now. I go back and forth on a decision. I know why I'm struggling. And I need to take a verse and apply it in faith to my relationship and ask you to move. And I'm telling you, the most powerful thing you will do in your life is just take the Word of God, read it, apply it, and meditate on it. And miraculous things will happen in your relationships, in your situations. You'll have deeper insights. You'll deal with different things different, with, with things differently. And I'm telling you, maybe tonight you just need to accept him. And I would invite you just to ask him to come into your life and start a relationship with him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?